So just give us a um, a picture of what would be the daily scene in a war zone. And obviously there are a lot of people who are injured, uh, their access to health facilities. But what are the major impediments? So when we mark the two years after the Kunduz, the bombing of our Kunduz facility, it is as much to say that we have had a long list of incidents since the two years, uh, during this two-year two period. Um, generally, since then, in, in, in the variety of conflicts where we find ourselves, a medical facility has been attacked one way or the other uh, almost on a daily basis. And who's behind these attacks? Well, it's it's a wide array of different actors, as you mentioned from, from our Kunduz incident two years ago, which is the US military, to uh, militias in the Central African Republic, armed groups um, in South Sudan. But of course, the focus uh, and, and, and the reality that gets a lot of attention is, is the bombing of medical facilities, which, happen, which happens in conflicts as Yemen, Syria and Afghanistan. We now have a situation where uh, four out of the five permanent members of the UN Security Council, one way or the other, are involved in coalition and in, in, in op- military operations that are linked to bombing of medical facilities. Hmm. So basically we're saying that the most vulnerable in conflicts are are basically doomed because they can't even get life-saving aid. The immediate effect is, of course, that a medical facility, be it a hospital, clinic or an ambulance, is destroyed. And in some cases, unfortunately, medical staff are killed. Patients are killed as well. What that does to organizations such as ourselves in Doctors Without Borders is that uh, we are forced to retreat for the sake of our own security. In many cases, as in Syria, we see that, that uh, local healthcare workers go through tremendous risk to provide whatever basic care they can. But the ultimate impact is that uh, the people that are left behind in conflict, as you rightly say, the most vulnerable uh, parts of the population, no longer have access to healthcare, and we know that in conflict, uh, the direct consequences of of, of uh, violence, such as injuries, is just one part of it. During a conflict, we also know that people still need chronic medication. Mm. Pregnant women still need uh, a place, safe place to deliver, and children still need vaccines. And in the absence of healthcare, none of these services are available. Can you tell me then, let's speak about strictly the African countries at the moment, uh, the CAR, the Sudan and South Sudan. Are there similarities then? Can you just give us a sense of what would be your daily life, so to speak, working in these uh, conflict areas? Well, with regard to the protecting of our medical facilities, a lot of the emphasis we do is to ne- to, to have a dialogue as, as, as open, as transparent as possible with whomever and, and uh, all of the armed parties that may be, uh, be it a, a militia group, be it the official military, uh, because we see that it, are, that it is armed groups, it is militaries that are behind this uh, attacks against medical facilities. So we do spend a lot of time uh, engaging. We do spend a lot of time trying to mobilize the, the communities to, to um, support us in, in, in protecting ourselves. And by that, I mean that, that, that they help spread the message of, of the sanctity of, uh, mm. sanctity, sorry, of medical facilities. Um, what what uh, 
What we see happening, though, and which is particularly worrying, is that when communities become the target in a conflict, then civilian and medical facilities become targets as well. And that is, uh, uh, of course, unacceptable. It's unacceptable in itself that a community becomes the target of a conflict. And in extension of that, that we as a medical organization are, uh, are in some cases forced to evacuate as well. I think I'm just trying to get people to understand what it's like on the ground. So if you can take me through perhaps the situation in the Central African Republic or even in South Sudan, mm. what, what do you... There's often problems of limited resources, whether it's medication, whether it's water. Just, you know, take people along with you on that uh, journey. What, what do you wake up doing? What are the daily challenges you would face in those areas? So let's take South Sudan, for example, where I have worked extensively. Um, we run um, in, in, in many places, many, many remote places, because South Sudan is a very remote uh, country with very poor infrastructure. So as you say, supply is a challenge. When you run a hospital, you need fuel to run your generators. You need drugs and you need medical equipment. Um, in many places, we run what is called an outpatient facility. So it's a normal consultation. People come uh, for, for, for their more basic uh, healthcare conditions and we can admit people if needed. Um, the challenges of, of being in a country like South Sudan is, apart from supplies, is that the lack of infrastructure sometimes also means that the patient has difficulty in accessing. So sometimes you are faced with patients that come with a, a delayed stage of their either uh, 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 pregnancy complication uh, with a woman in, in, in labor or a child that ideally would have been treated much earlier with malaria, but because of the difficulties in accessing, you're often faced with limited resources, as you said, uh, but also the limited or access or the distance make uh, patients uh, arrive sometimes late, which of course as a medical practitioner is, is incredibly frustrating because ideally you'd you'd go to the clinic as soon as you feel sick. But because of the, the distance in some of these locations and because of security as well, sometimes patients uh, find difficulties in accessing our facilities. Do militias uh, or even government forces brazenly attack medical facilities even uh, or during treatment of patients? In the uh, violations of our facilities, in the uh, lootings, uh, we have... Uh, often experienced that these uh, uh, breach of, of uh, the medical facilities take place regardless of, of <laughs> whether we are treating patients in that moment or not. Uh, we have seen in facilities in, in the ongoing conflict in South Sudan that patients have been uh, killed and murdered in their beds when uh, armed groups have, have stormed or taken over. Uh, we have seen in our clinics in Central African Republic that, that patients are taken out of their beds uh, and, and, and disappear to uh, an unknown fate. Um, so the ones that are not respecting the medical facilities are not respecting the patients either. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Uh, that is MSF's Senior Humanitarian Policy Advisor, Jens Pedersen, and uh, I suppose uh, we'd have a wider conversation at some other point. Thank you so much.